apologize for taking so long to share my story with you. On this podcast, I ask people to come on here and share their story with me, and I dig into their past, and I ask questions that sometimes they might not feel comfortable asking. This story is not comfortable for me to tell, but it's something I have to do. So I want to walk on eggshells when I tell this story just because of the respect I have for people that are in this situation or people that are going through this situation. tell you a story, a story in three parts. One, how it happened, the rehab, and the court system. Okay? It all started back in about 2014 when this young lady started dating this guy and and I told her, hey, even back in 2014, hey, this guy is kind of crazy. Man, he was possessive. He was just a... He had no soul. There was nothing going on there. So I didn't feel comfortable around this guy at all. She was going to come watch me perform stand-up. I had only been in the game for a couple of years. And she was coming out to watch me. And she told him, hey, I'm going to go watch Baba in Ontario. Well, he made a point that he was going to go with us on this show. So me and Joy had to ride out to his house and pick him up. I don't know what it is, but that car ride, that show, that sparked something. Because now he would show up at my shows everywhere looking for her. April 5th, 2015 changed my life forever. And my loved ones around me. Let me just say that right now. It was an Easter Sunday. I was stoned. I was fat. I was happy. In my lazy boy chair. I was good. Wasn't bothering anybody. I get a phone call. About 8.30, 9 o'clock. And let's just say this guy's name is Dan. Okay? So, Dan and Joy are like family to me. And then there's this other guy. We're going to call him G. G also grew up with his family. He's about my age on this cul-de-sac. We grew up as friends. Dan calls me up and says, Hey, uh, Bubba, we have a problem he says, we think Joy might be in trouble. She might be kidnapped. He goes, I want you to ride out there to her job with me. And I said, okay, time out. Why are we thinking that she's kidnapped? Have we called the police? Have we done any of that first? And he goes, the police won't do anything because she hasn't been missing for 24 hours. I said, okay. 
she called her mom and the neighbor had picked up the phone. G's mom, okay? And Joy said, hello, mom. She said, this isn't your mom. She goes, hi, mom. She goes, okay, mom, well, I'm gonna have some coffee at Starbucks and I'll be home late. She said, Joy, are you in trouble? No, mom. So I said, okay, give me a few minutes. I'll drive over to your house and we can add out to her work. She's supposed to be at Starbucks, nine o'clock, Sunday, Easter. We drive out to her work and we meet G there at her job and he's in his truck, Toyota Tacoma pickup. We are sitting in the parking lot and it's three cars there. His, G's, and the car we just pulled up in. Now it's his car. So I'm thinking, hey guys, this is, where's her car? This is his, where's hers? He said, I know where he lives. So we got in the car, G followed us, and we drove up to his house. Remember? We had to go pick him up for a comedy show. We pull up in front of his house. G goes up in this cul-de-sac, comes around and parks, heading out of the cul-de-sac now. So he's parked across the street. I walk over to G's truck and I say, hey, how are we gonna do this? He says, I'm going to the fucking door. I said, okay, I'm, I'm right behind you. G hands me his truck keys and he's done that numerous times. Okay, and at the time I was wearing a hoodie sweater and all hoodie sweaters have a pocket. And I put, I put the keys in my pocket and we headed to the door. But we were making a lot of noise, man. We were, we were hollering, we were, hey, is Joy here? Joy wants to talk to her mom, mom wants to talk to her, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we're waking up the neighborhood. His Venetian blinds open up. He turns white as a ghost. White. Like, oh, my plan just went out the window. She comes running out the door by the time we get to the front door. And she's running. And she's screaming, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. <laughs> and we get to the front door and homeboy comes out and he's in, still in his house. He raises, him. He raises the gun and he fires. I'm out of here. I was fat, stoned, happy, lazy boy chair. So once he starts firing, I take off. And now I'm following Joy. And she's headed out the cul-de-sac. And now he's out of his house. And, like he is just firing left and right. I'm just waiting to get one in the back. And I'm screaming. And I'm yelling. And I am waking everybody up. Help me. Well, he fires six, seven shots. And I see him fall down. And we get down behind a car. Now we're about six houses out from this cul-de-sac. And we're down behind a car and I see him fall down. And I look at her and I say, hey, we need to go. We need to go now. 
she looks at me and says, Bubba, I mean, I can't. Now keep in mind, she's been kidnapped and held hostage for an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes. I said, okay, I'll be right back. I still have G's keys in my hoodie sweater. So my plan is to run back into the cul-de-sac, get his keys to him, and let's get the hell out of here. So now I go back into the cul-de-sac, and when I do, I come up the, across the street from his house. Where G's truck is parked. And I'm yelling for him. And he comes out of his truck. And he's been sitting there the whole time. He comes out. He comes out of the driver's side. Comes around the tailgate. And I throw him the keys. And I see the shadow running up at me. And I'm thinking, I am fucked. He raises the gun, and I just turn, and he fires. And then he fires again. That one has no bullets. Now, he hits me one time in the face. I look up and I see this truck and it hits him. I drive this guy across the street and he hits an old 1980s paddle van. Later come to find out this guy is high on pills and he's drunk. So it's like taking down a guy that's on PCP. Because when he hits this paddle van, he stands up. Like nothing phased him. He just stands right back up. Like, oh, fuck. Now he's still got a gun. So what does, what does G do? Hangs a sharp left and hits him fucking again. Now that I know everything is safe over there, now it's time to worry about. I hear yelling. Bubba, you shot? Bubba, you shot? Yeah because now I'm catching the blood that is just pouring out of my face. And I'm trying to put it back. I'm trying to put it in my pocket. I'm trying everything I can to get down on the street. And my cell phone. Have it on the street. And I'm trying to unlock it. I can't because my hands are wet from the blood. So I can't unlock my smartphone. I don't know where the paramedic came from, but the next thing I remember was somebody taking my phone and sliding it across the asphalt. And they go, I'm fuck that phone. And like a comedian I do, I looked at him and I said, oh, my wife's gonna be mad at you. 
he asked me to get on the gurney of some ambulance and I'm laying there and he looks at me and he goes are you the dude that's shot I'm like yeah he goes where are you shot at uh, I just blow <laughs> and when I did that my cheek fluttered like Shamu's blowhole and he panicked don't do that. Don't do that again. Please don't do that. Please, please don't do that. He goes, okay. Okay, I see it. I got you. Now he's patting me down for an exit one. I worked a couple of years in security in a hospital. And I know when an ambulance is sending over information to the hospital, they need weight, height, allergic to anything, because they don't know. They don't know you from Adam. So here I am giving them basically a report about me. Because I know, I know what the hospital wants. And I have to take my mind off the fact that I'm laying on a gurney and a ambulance and I'm now I don't know what's gonna happen but all I can control is that for that moment <laughs> I pass out shock something I don't know apparently it takes a lot to put me down and I didn't tell them that you need to up the dosing because Apparently, when I got to the hospital, I was throwing people off me. Sorry. So now I'm throwing orderlies off me, nurses off me. And how do I know? Because my wife tells me. Because I ask her, what are all these bruises from? I was out for three days. I woke up on a Wednesday and my wife walked in. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember it like it was an hour ago. She looked down and she goes, it's nothing. It's, not, it's just a small hole. It's nothing. It'll be okay. Everything will be back to normal. And I just looked at her and I said, nothing will be normal ever again. You're, if you're a victim of gun violence or a survivor of gun violence, you know that nothing's ever the same. I'm laying in this hospital bed at the school. You have one doctor walk in and you have nine other ducklings walk in and all of a sudden you're on display. And I'm thinking, look, if it's an audience, do, do yourself a favor. Mark down everything you're allergic to. All the good medicines, all the bad medicines, all of them. Write them down. What works for you, what doesn't, what's your, get a clipboard and just hang it in your house. That way if paramedics come over, you just hand them the clipboard. Because they gave me so much medicine in there. They either broke out into rashes, hives, 
I instantly threw up. So here I am now, a test case of what medicines work for me. Wednesday, they woke me up to tell me that they're going to put me back under, perform surgery on me. I put two brackets in my face. You can see the end in here. The bullet shattered this cheek and all these nerves. I don't have any feeling here. I have no feeling in my lips. Do me a favor. Don't ever take a kiss for granted. You want to hear God laugh? Tell him you're proud. 